cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return, and I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Well, Northbank Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howell, Eliani on the board. S&P futures down six and a quarter, and as futures down five, we were up most of uh, last night. Kind of ducked down here this morning as the European markets turned a little lower on some uh, more concerns over their natural gas supplies, which uh, I guess they're now looking for maybe a 15% drop in uh, usage over the winter and pretty much every time. So we'll see how how that works out. Uh, um, Kevin, are you with us? Good morning. Is that a drop in usage or a drop in availability? Uh, they're hoping for a drop in usage to match maybe the drop in availability. How's that? Is Say that, that louder. I didn't hear you. I said they're hoping for maybe a, a drop in usage so it won't affect the drop in availability. Or the drop in availability won't affect them as much. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, but it will affect them because if you drop usage, they'll probably, you know, because they're rely- uh, kind of single-source reliant, they'll just get a price hike. Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, you know, you know what they say. There is no, there is no shortage. There's just too low of a price. That's what the economists used to say, right? Uh, I guess that's. Yeah, hey, I say it all the time. You know, to uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> I was about to go down a road that a family show shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, um, anyway, yeah. Uh, but th- but that really is. I mean, I think one of the. Uh, well, I, I like to talk a lot about what Lewis. Uh, mentioning last Thursday and people getting like agents and stuff in high school, but uh, just just as a real brief aside in uh, in economics um, in, in our system in the I'll use the term capitalist system although I'm not exactly sure what our system is right now uh, we have a you can do a whole bunch of different things when you when you economics is really what Kevin it's a science of scarcity right how to apportion scarcity. If you had more than enough of everything for everybody, you just give it to them. But you don't. So you got to figure out a way. How do how do how do certain people get stuff and don't? And, and one system would be a socialist system. We just split it all up, allegedly. Although there's always people that are there do better on the split than others, just like anything else. But in the economic system, the the way you apportion goods is by price. Now, for for better or for worse, uh, it, it has a lot of strong points to it because it. It uh, makes people a little more industrious because they're looking, if you work harder, you can do better and then afford more. There's a lot of good good points to it, a few bad points too. But by and large, most of us think it's the best system out there. But you can, but definitely, if there's a gas shortage of some kind, there's a shortage at $4 a gallon. There's not a shortage at $8 a gallon, right? That's just the way the, that's the, way the system works. You, you match supply and demand at a, at a certain price. It may not be a price you can afford or you like, but it, it, that's what the system does. Um, and so, I mean, I guess there's, there's, it's a very impersonal, <laughs> cold system, right, Kevin? So, so you know, but, but, but most of us feel well, that that's... Well, it can be. It, yeah. it, it can be, but it, um, you know, it, it, it can also be a system that, uh, that done well will uh, spur creativity. Too, yes, because so. yes, it... Cause it it spurs people that if you are 
aggressive in your work habits and in your ingenuity, um, you can actually do better, so which you can afford more. But I mean, people don't. I mean, I don't know anybody. Well, I guess I know a couple people, but I don't know anybody who regularly eats caviar at hundred dollars a tin or whatever the hell stuff is. You, I mean, it's, I, mean I, I wouldn't if I liked it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay hundred dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I'm not sure I would eat it at um, you know at, at two dollars. <laughs> but so here's here's a question for our girl Eliani, Miss Manners. Hmm. Um, there I was, the guy at, when I first there went I was. To, when I first went to Poland, <laughs> there I was minding my own, my own business. As first usual. See what happened was. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so I was this, the guy who sat next to me at Pullman. The two analysts that were hired at the same time, a guy named Mike, hmm. nice guy, with a terrific uh, wife. They both, I think, worked at Ford and got married. Anyway, sure. But it was, so he invites Robin and I over to the uh, his apartment for dinner, and okay. it was really nice. I mean, but they had this caviar stuff. <laughs> yeah. So. I go, uh, first, first I said to Robin, what is this stuff? And she goes, oh, that's caviar. I go, okay. I never even saw it before. So I taste it, and I go, it's terrible. What should I do, try and force myself to eat it because the guy went out and paid for it, or should I say I don't like it? <laughs> what, so, Miss Manners, what is the protocol there? I would just say uh, thank you, but I don't like it. <laughs> so you're more direct than I am. It's a, it's yeah, a, that's one way to do it, but if you don't want to go full creep, yeah. On, on them and say, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have the acquired proper taste. For, taste. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't have get my nose high enough in the air to do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, then you uh, you you give a little fake sneeze and you say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm allergic to this. Uh, I went with uh, <laughs> had like one or two, and then they had some other stuff, and I said, but I really like this other stuff. I went I went that route. Yeah. Well, I don't mind things like involving fish eggs because I also love sushi. So anything as far as like you know the pescatarian world goes i'm pretty down for but yeah typically if i don't like something i'd be like thank you so much for giving this to me but um not a fan <laughs> what uh what's what's the other stuff today uh, uh, how about if it's a gift uh, Eliane, yeah. how, you know someone gives you a gift that you don't then i will re-gift it to someone yeah. i really love <laughs> just remember kevin there's only t- there's only 10 fruitcakes in the world they just keep spinning around oh my god i don't know who invented fruitcake but to hell with that person <laughs> you, know, you know what did you ever did you ever actually read i like it? cake with fruit I don't know, did you ever read how those things are made? There's like a gazillion ingredients that are really hard to make. There's like one company that makes them, and it's, it's a real art. I, I just think that someone at a bakery was like, look at all the stuff I have left over. What if I just compile it into one giant cancer loaf? Yeah, that's and, then that's, and then they go, blah, 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 and then they put it all in, and then that is what fruitcake is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. but <laughs> so, so gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway. Uh, we had a huge rally in the market yesterday, uh, which which really surprised. Well, I, I guess just by looking at the market, it surprised me. But seeing what's going on in Washington, I guess doesn't surprise me. Uh, we had a, a, a day on where are we we're on Monday where we were way up in the morning and we turned around and finished up down as much as we were up, which was really kind of strange. Uh, Apple came out and said that things weren't as good as people thought. That kind of turned the tide during the day. And uh, we ended up down. After we were up 40 spoof points during the show, we finished up down 35 or something. That was a big move. And uh, so yesterday, we just come flying out of the black, and now it's all of a sudden these semiconductors uh, that, you know, allegedly uh, Nancy Pelosi's wife bought $5 million worth of NVIDIA. The big fight here is over, well, the Nancy one that... Pelosi has a wife? Uh, well, husband. Uh, whatever. Significant other. Uh that bought this stuff and, and and 
all of a sudden you see these semis taking off. Now, somewhere in Washington, there is this bill where they're fighting over this thing in Ohio. And I don't know the nuts and bolts of it, but it's Intel, Kevin Wright, and they're putting this big plan up. And now it's becoming this international fight over which country is going to give how much money to Intel to put this big plant there, which I just abhor. But uh, So these people left to gain advantage other places, and now we got to buy them back. Uh, but we're going to buy them back. Only the big ones that negotiate the big deals. We're not going to try and get 15 or 20 manufacturers in, in all different states so we would have a lot of different people making this stuff. We don't ever want to go down that road, do we? Well, evidently, in Yeah, I'm not sure, in, uh, just for purposes, and I'd have to do the research, but I'm not sure Intel ever left. Uh, I'm not sure they ever were, but they ever had production facilities in the U.S. Okay, but I'm saying the industry, it, it sort of moved totally to Taiwan. And the industry is, is like 90% concentrated in Taiwan. Yeah, which is which again now is a big problem with China, you know, saber-rattling over Taiwan. So now that makes us even more afraid. They're just having it in Taiwan, right, Kevin? I mean, uh... At least it does me. I mean, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think it's it's really crucial that we uh, that we diversify. Yeah, and uh, that particular. So now, uh, so now the question is, we just talked about industry. I mean, it's a, it's it's critical industry. So now you know we have, uh, but now in in what I just said, right? What I try to, even Eliani tells me I'm horrible at it, but I try and tie this stuff together. What I just said about the capitalist system. If you're going to look at a real capitalist system. The government would not be involved in this at all, correct, Kevin? And somebody would see the need; they would say, uh, "Look, um, may you know th- th- these prices are getting higher because there's quote a shortage, a shortage at the price we want to pay. We should put a plant over in the U.S. Now, uh, are the pollution controls, are this controls, or the labor, whatever it is, is it so? I'll say difficult here uh, that we can't do it. But now, but now it seems like whatever we do. This is not a capitalistic model. This is a fascist model. We're going to go right to government, and we're going to stick our nose right up there behind for governmental help. And if all of a sudden we get you know billions of dollars to get the first one going, does that mean that the the Kevin Eliani and Chief plant can follow right behind and and get our get our check to start ours? I don't know about that. That that doesn't seem to to work its way through as well as maybe some people would like. And for somebody who's always run a small business in his life, I guarantee you it doesn't flo- it doesn't float down. But somewhere down in Washington, there is a bill being worked on that I doubt. Well, Kevin, before I get too cynical here, I don't think anybody can ever get a can ever see a bill as it's being written. Can they? When I, mean, I can't go online anywhere, or if I was in Washington, walk oh, and see, yeah, here's draft number two, here's yeah. draft number three, et cetera. Not that I'm aware of. So I've always thought about that. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. why, why can't we see that process? <laughs> <laughs> well, because there's, it's it's one thing if you just say uh, anybody, and you know, you know, Kevin, we had we had somebody send us this thing, God, years ago. We we're doing the show, maybe ten years ago. One of the listeners, one of, you know, we have a lot of people really help out. Sent us something that that uh, during whatever the hell it was, it wasn't it was way before COVID. Anyway, something in a bill came by, and it was actually a company or two named in the bill is getting something. And whoever the person was said it's the first time since like 1944 during the war that a specific company was named in a bill. And I think it's happening now like all the time. And I mean not every bill, but I, I think what's happening, and again this is, you know, somebody please skewer me if uh, 
if it ends up being not true. That in this bill, there's specific companies' names in there that people in Washington know about, and I think they're buying them. And I think it sucks. And I also think that even though the Fed is uh, allegedly cutting back on money, if this bill comes out and says, pick a number, what are, what are they talking about, Kevin? $50 billion, $40 billion for the, that industry or something? Maybe it's, a maybe it's 100 Pick a number. Well, there, there's, no, there's no associated taxation with that, which means without even telling the Fed, they're basically telling the Fed, I don't care what your policy is, you're coming up via the printing press, or as Carl would say, increase in credit, you're coming up with this money. And the further this thing makes it to fruition, A, Pelosi's husband makes dough, and a few other people, I'm sure he's not the only one. Now we're, we're, we're seeing more money, in, and maybe one of the reasons for yesterday's huge rally is the fact that all of a sudden happy days are here again money-wise, because now this money is either be money the Fed doesn't take out of the system or actually has to add to pay for this. Because i got to believe that these companies will be getting this money pretty quick as soon as this thing's passed, now, if it's passed. So, I mean, it all kind of ties together in sort of a, an insidious way. So, you know, when I, when I go to a left-winger and they want to be socialist, I don't really want to do that. But if I come across a right-winger and he says, our system is competitive, it's, com- it's capitalistic, it's perfect, Kevin, it's, this is no longer capitalistic at all, in my mind. What do you mean? My it hasn't been, you know, I mean, to some extent it is, but it hasn't been purely capitalistic for a long time. Right. And, and if, if, if you haven't figured out, which I never did because I was too, too dumb and stubborn, that somehow or another I had to get a firm in an industry that was attached to government. And I never did because I just thought it was wrong. I didn't like it. I mean, I, I had a potential client in here 20 years ago. And we, he listened to me. John and I were on the score. And he comes in. He goes, "I love you guys." He goes, "But you, he goes, you got to you got to stop what you're doing." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "This this industry, it's going to be taken over by big people." He says, "Get yourself like a luncheon gig at the jail or in anything you possibly can do, attached to the city or the county, and you'll never you'll never worry about retirement. You'll never worry about anything. What no matter what it is, just get something involved with the government." And you know what? I, I, it sounded so horrible to me, Kevin. Boy, talk about somebody being right, huh? No kidding. No kidding. Nothing like being a government contractor. As long as as long as you can keep everybody happy, you're you're fine. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's a multi generational thing. It's stuff you give to your kids, your nephews, or whatever, your grandkids. Well, what what really happens is uh, you become a governor contract. Your next generation actually becomes the governor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true too. All of a sudden, you're like, uh, what, did, what did Dan Corleone say? Uh, Mike was supposed to be a senator or something, you know, and been the guy who pulls the strings. Uh, yeah. You know, it's... Anyway, what do you make of a... Uh, well, I didn't make it too far through the uh, All-Star game last night, um, but again, the National League lost, which they always seem to do. For, remember, remember when the National League won all the time? Yeah, I do, but now they, uh, they lose all the time. And uh, either way, I don't really care. <laughs> no, no I, 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 honestly, the uh, um, the All Star game, I can't. I, I watched a couple of innings last night, but then I said, "Yeah, this is stupid," and I turned it off and um, and just went to bed early. They really need to just uh, play the game instead of having this constant, you know, running around this, this ad, ad, adulation for everybody. I mean, they're all great ball players, but God, give it a rest. We have between every single at bat, we're 
Anyway, that's just that's the way facts. Well, it, it, it's it's that, and plus, you know, we we have of course the uh, personal story of everybody. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and and who uh, who shaped their lives, and I, you know, I guess that's you know, there's there must be a market for it, or they would be doing it, but um, but it's you know, I, I'm just not interested. First of all, when it when it comes to athletes, there's really no way of knowing, and uh, you know, they, there's a public persona. But you don't know what people are like in private. No. No, There's you're... no good way to know it. So um, you know. So what are you what are you supposed to do? Um, you know, I, I can't get I can't get to the uh, the hero worship part. I've never, you know, the only times I have ever with my kids um, uh, done anything that uh, um, that resembled uh, talking about an athlete as a model was to tell them what not to do. You know, don't be like that guy who just, you know, uh, gave away, uh, you know, uh, untold riches and a life of luxury <laughs> just, just to, uh, um, you know, just to be a, uh, uh, you know, to use uh, drugs or, whatever, you know, to use uh, as a cocaine user or something like that. Roy Tarpley was always my poster child um, because in those days the NBA's, uh, the NBA's policy was that once you um, had been to treatment twice, you were going to continue to be tested, and um, and every time you got test, you know the tests were uh, persistent and random, and uh, and if you got a third strike, you were out, and uh, that was kind of interesting from a uh, uh, the standpoint of the guy knew he was going to be tested, um, and he chose to use anyway, which tells you the power of the drug. And that's where I use an example with my kids. I never got into the hero worship. I don't care about the backstory. It just it, because what what you find out later is that you just didn't know in the first place that this was really a bad guy. That this guy was uh, you know that there was domestic abuse in the background or you know whatever. And so you know you go by the public persona, you're going to be disappointed too often. So I don't. Well, I yeah. I can think of three people, you know, being a Cub fan for a long time, and not a Sox hater, but more of a Cub fan. I'm gonna say three people that I that I know of uh, that did a lot of good stuff. Like, it doesn't mean like you say they, you know, uh, who knows what they did in the off time. But I, I think Joe Girardi, and particularly his wife, were huge movers and shakers in Cubs care, and and gave a real lot of time to it. Uh, Kerry Wood, who used to live a couple blocks away from me. Next, she used to hang out at the Tripoli. Uh, his wife, same way. He and his wife were, I think they have their own charity now, but they did a lot of work for Cubs Care. And I'd say the, the number one guy that I, I think he's a real good guy, but uh, my buddy Bill Murphy, who I uh, see once a week at the local watering hole, uh, said that, that, and he's tight with Northwestern, he said Rizzo spent countless hours with kids with cancer. And uh, Yeah, and I know he did. Yeah. So I remember. You no, know, he did because he he had cancer himself. Um, so uh, you know, it, it became very important and very personal to him. I'm not saying they're they're bad yeah. guys in 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 real life. I'm just saying we can't possibly know. So I just don't get very bought into it in the first place. I got a, I got a story for you. Bill's telling me that one of his friends had this little girl, I guess, who was uh, had the cancer, and she's from the he's from the South Side, which makes her from the South Side. So Rizzo was visiting her like one night a week. <laughs> really like her. He brought a, a cub cap, and she goes, I'm not wearing that. <laughs> Imagine that, a little girl being like that, Eliani. And uh, so the next week he brings one with, 
with a cub bill on one side and a sax bill on the other and made a deal with her and she wore that. Still there. So that worked. That worked. You, you got to negotiate. You know, sometimes you got to negotiate. Just just saying. Uh, hey, uh, before we head off to, uh, we've got a while before break, what what did you make of what uh, Lou was saying last week? I, I mean, you and I, we've, we've talked a little bit, and we have some time today, uh, talk a little bit about what's going on in, in this sports. And I don't, I, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to do my, my trading thing here, Kevin, where I look at, okay, let me run five years ahead here. I, I boy, I, I'm seeing five or ten years ahead with this college football, maybe not so much basketball, as being something that is is totally considered a professional league with all the taxes and all the other stuff. And I don't know that people even get, I don't even know they, if it becomes a uh, non-profit thing. Anyway, I, think, I think they're running way into a storm. They don't know where they're going. I, or am I just wrong? Well, they, they don't, and that's, that's sort of been the NCAA's M.O. all along. Um is uh, you know they they sit back and things happen rather than uh, uh, rather than having an, an end game and guiding anybody towards it and you know that's that's a disaster in any business any industry any you know for any uh, policy types of type of situation so yeah it, is it surprising that the NCAA is uh, kind of out of control on uh, in this case too no not in the, not in the bed well, what the if you were, well, we got all kinds of things we're trying to we're trying to address in, in our world these days, vis-a-vis our constitution and things like that. I mean, we have a thing called uh, separation of church and state, which obviously makes this country way better than just about any other place, in in my opinion. Uh, but I mean, you get this vision of you and I, and uh, maybe only I go with us. We'll go to church on a Sunday, and there's a church, and maybe you drop a church school there. And you say, well, they're not paying taxes, but they're also not getting any taxes. So, I guess I'll roll along with that. But you start talking about, you know, a hundred thousand people with a hundred bucks a ticket being immu- immune from the local amusement tax. I'm not so sure I go down that road, Kevin, at all. Do you? No, uh, no, I, of course I wouldn't. Um, and you know, we don't really. Uh, it, it's it's funny that we we exempt churches, and I guess we exempt them as uh, as not for profits more than anything. And nobody wants to really cross into that. But I, if I'm not mistaken, we really don't have separation of church and state. What we do have is that there's no official religion. Well, which right. is which is slightly different. Well, I mean, it, it, you 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 don't tax any anything that they do. I mean, I don't I don't know where you. It, it, my my view here kind of slides towards uh, what, what's, what, how businesses are run. And I know I beat up on, on Commonwealth Edison all the time, but I mean, you look at a Commonwealth Edison, you look at a big bank, you look at those places, and our, our friend Eric is the first one that's pointed out to us where this management class is now running the country. And he goes, as bad as, as bad as it was when you know Carnegie and Rockefeller and those kinds of interesting creatures ran the place and then were the robber barons and all this other stuff at least it was at least it was their dough and 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 they were the major shareholders and the money filtered through to them as shareholders but now i i mean in eric's point of view and i don't know if he's gonna write a book on it someday he might because he's still finishing off the one the second one or third one of his other ones i mean i don't i don't i don't think other than you know a little bit where you got to give face time to it I, I would say that if if Commonwealth Edison or you know Microsoft or whoever it is at the end of the year 
if they've got a lot of money, they're they're not they're either going to buy stock back to drive up the price for the people on the board and upper upper echelons. They're they're not at all desiring to give anybody a dividend. They're going to give themselves a raise first. I mean, it's not about. I mean, anybody thinks the shareholders run these places? Got to be. I mean, you're you're back in the dark age. Well, the shareholders don't run it. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure uh, in in every case that management does either. Although that is. You know that is really the way it's done in in many businesses is that a um, that you have a, a president or a CEO um, who basically may have navigated the corporate ladder, um, may have been brought in from outside, but the first thing uh, order of business is always to consolidate the uh, board power such that uh, um, they're they're all my they're all my cronies, and so they're never going to. Override anything I want to do. Well, yeah, I'm after the break. I'll, I'll expand on this, but there's there's not a lot of step, big step from a company that's run like that to a place like Notre Dame or Illinois but to go, which is no shareholders, and and all all the money you make is quote no longer profit, but it's it's split among us. I mean, it's, it's sort of the same thing. SP futures. Down 450, uh, Nasdaq futures down 150. We're creeping back towards even here. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. 
You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell, Eliani on the board. SC Futures down four and a quarter, and SF Futures down three. Dow Futures down 55. Individual stocks. Well, Netflix came out last night. It was up 26 bucks. Now it's up 11.97, trading 213.60 there. Uh, less uh, subscribers again, but I guess they did a little bit better than people thought, wherever that is. Uh, it, it jumped way up, and people talked about it for three hours last night. Now it's down some. Interesting, the stock was trading. I did a spread. Uh, it was like 199 and uh, straddle was 28 bucks. So uh, it moved exactly 28 bucks last night. Now, now it's moved. It's up uh, maybe 13, 14, well, 12 bucks when it, when it went out. So. Uh, I guess the straddle sellers at this point were the winners, but boy, so the straddle was 15% of the price of the stock. That, that's, that's really something. Um, especially for a stock that's been around forever. We're not, you know, it's uh, whatever. I mean, it should have a little bit more stability than that, but it does not. We're in Europe, we had the Dow, uh, DAX is what kind of turned us down this morning. DAX down 58.5%, FTSE down 21.3%, Kakaron down 12.2%. Uh, over in Asia, Nikkei up 718 as if there are rarely yesterday. It's 2.6%. Shanghai up 25.8%. Hang Seng, again, flying back and forth. They're up 1.1% today. These guys fly from 21.5 back down to 20,200 violently, and yet never seem to break out of them, which is for the, the longest period of time. I don't think we've ever seen it quite like that. Uh, yesterday, Dow was up 754, 2.4%. S&P up 105, 2.7. NASDAQ up 353, and it's 3.1%. It was a huge uptick. Uh, bonds down five basis points at 2.97. Uh, the bond of dollar, by the way, is uh, is up again today. A uh, bond 1.21. That's down six basis points. Uh, Japan down one to 0.24. We've got oil down two bucks to 102.21, still above 100. Brent down 180, 105.55. Natural gas up 14 cents, 740. These guys have gone from like 940 to 580, now back to 740. This is all in like eight weeks. Unbelievable. Arbob down four cents, three twenty-six. We've got gold down four ten to seventeen oh six. Silver down three cents, eighteen sixty-eight. Copper up five cents, three thirty-four. We've got Bitcoin up one hundred and eighty-seven to twenty-three thousand six eighty-nine. As we're trying to, I, I wonder if the Fed isn't helping this Bitcoin out because they took one look at how this thing all fell apart, how much it would affect stuff. Someday we'll know, maybe. Well, Leanne, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.36 a.m. on July 20th. Let's start with sports. we got some games to look forward to this Friday. we got the Cubs playing the Phillies at 6.05. The White Sox will be playing the Guardians at 7.10. And That's Diamondbacks. Tomorrow. Is that tomorrow? Yeah, today we're still All-Star break. 
No, I'm looking at I'm looking at this. Um, I'm, I'm on the MLB website right now. It says Friday, July 22nd. Yeah, well, today's Wednesday. Right. So this Friday. Oh, all right. So you said today's Friday. Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> so it's in, it's in two days. Today is the today's other than the day after the Super Bowl. Today is like the deadest day in sports. Right. Yeah. And then the Diamondbacks will be playing the Nationals at 8:40. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, uh, we have a very humid, humid day. We got clouds, bit of sun. Currently sitting at 76 with a high of 91, low of 74. And looking at weather in Phoenix, uh, there is an air quality alert. Uh, air quality yellow, uh, mostly cloudy. Uh, pretty high humidity as well. Currently sitting at 92 degrees with a high of 111, low of 90. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45 and Austin, eastbound on I-90 between the 294 Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence. We got traffic northbound 94 between 47th and West Ontario. Intermittent traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Cass Avenue and the I-20 connector with an accident at Route 12 and between Route 171 and South Damon. Finally, traffic northbound on Lakeshore between the 55 North Ramp and East McFederich. Back to you, Chief. The reason why I mention that is because everybody used to start up tomorrow. Now some teams get another day. I don't know how they determine who gets the other day. but I know, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the day. You're like, it's tomorrow. I'm like, no, tomorrow's Thursday, not Friday. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, Anyway, so hey, two, two questions. Uh, as you see Lake Mead getting lower and lower, there's actually a few boats that have now appeared. So if that was your boat that sunk like 30 years ago, does your kid get to go say, that's my dad's boat and take it? Hey, you could just go get it, yeah. Let's go get it. Let's kind of wander go up. Go get there. it. Good luck pulling that thing out of the muck. Yeah. Hey, uh, I have a question. Why uh, stuff? And this goes to uh, regards to sports stadiums and baseball teams and all the other stuff. Why exactly? Let's say, for instance, we're going to give you know $30 billion to... Uh, the outfit in, in uh, Intel in Ohio. I'm not saying we should or shouldn't. I don't know the details, but because uh, once you get the idea that somebody else is going to do it, that means you got to do it. I don't think any of our mothers ever bought that argument, Kevin. Uh, but it seems like people do now. Um, we maybe need some mothers back or something. Uh, why at the at the end of the day, like if if, if you and Eliani were doing this spectacular hot dog stand, but you just needed, you know, half a million dollars of somebody's money to go over to hump. And I bring the half a million dollar check. You don't just say thank you and have me turn around and walk out. I'm going to say, okay, this half a million dollars gets me what percentage of the company? How is it that when it comes to dealing with the government, they never say, you know, since we just gave you you bumps, fifty million bucks, we have an, an interest in this thing going forward. So guess what? I want two board seats. I want twenty percent of the shares in this in this thing. And, and by the way, uh, we're going to keep an eye on you going forward. If you got a crummy manager pissing away our $50 billion, we're going to be the first one on the board to say, get him the hell out of here or her. Why, why isn't that part of the conversation? Okay, why, why, was, why, didn't the bear, why didn't the city get 20% of the bears when they gave them Soldier Field, for God's sake? I mean, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be nice? That seems appropriate, right? If you're sure getting does. my money. Um, and, and if nothing else, uh, and, and I'm sure this is part of the equation, is you, you have to do their bidding. You, you, you borrow money from the mob, you do what the mob tells you to do. Well, oh, yeah. the government is every bit as much the strong arm as the mob, so um, you know, I, I, I don't know that anybody gets to skate on this completely, but, um, but you, you know, it, there, there definitely has to be something conditional, wouldn't you think? Well, I mean, I, I, I would say that if I, I'd like, as a taxpayer funding it, I'd like to know when my tax certificate is going to arrive. 
Well, I, w- I would say that if I gave a sports team... Or, excuse me, my yeah, stock certificate. Yeah, if I got a, a sports team, I would like to have enough people on the board where you just can't vote five years later to go to another city. Right? Well, and, and generally the way that works is you've got a long-term lease, hopefully, that has, is, has uh, enough of a, a, a prohibitive uh, termination terms that... Um, that nobody would ever, uh, nobody would walk away during the term of the lease. Um, doesn't appear to be. 20 years well, no, it's is, happened in many cases. Well, I, I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm just saying is I don't know of any any of these deals with a stadium versus team that I wouldn't want the team side. Can you think of one you would? Oh, I, I agree with you. I think the teams wind up getting a pretty sweet deal. I mean, the, the Bears pay, what, $6 million a year in rent? Yeah, bad? whatever it is, it's not. It's it, it doesn't reflect um, the uh, economic benefit that what they get in any um, um, any way that resembles what they are. You know, I mean, at least at least in Milwaukee, when uh, when the, uh, the counties that uh, surround Milwaukee County, uh, as well as Milwaukee County itself, uh, kicked in to help build um, Miller Park. Well, I forget what they call it now because it's got a new. Uh, sponsor um, but at least there has uh, built into that deal is that there is a regular stream of low price days for uh, people who live in those uh, counties you show up you show your ID and they give you a really cheap ticket so at least the fans are getting something out you know the taxpayers are getting something out of it there you have to be a baseball fan but when was the last time there was a ladies day because was the last time you had a grandstand the uh, just to show how how old, how old we are, Eliani. When you used to go to a Cub game and a Sox game, there was one day of the week mm. that was always Ladies' Day. Ah. And when you and when you, uh, I'm sure you have you been to Cubs Park, I assume. Yes, I have. Well, the the seats up to the the, the aisle where we walks back and forth on, mm-hmm. those were the box seats, and behind it was called the grandstand. There's a name that's got to be out of Webster's by now. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what a grandstand is. So if you got a grandstand seat. You could you just go up there and grab the seat. That's why if you were a kid, you want to get there at like nine o'clock. <laughs> so you you, you got the best grandstand seat, and oh by the way, you got to watch batting practice and everything else. Mm. And uh, so the combination of the two, if and like a Thursday, they would give all the ladies would just get you got a grand, you just get to go in the grandstand. It was free. Oh, and uh, it, it, it was interesting. We actually went when I was a get, get a load of this. Because imagine this today. I think I was 12, but someone, one of the one of my buddy's brothers who was 13 came with, so it was okay. We took the bus on the south side all the way down Western Avenue to uh, Addison, then over to Wrigley Field, because the, the L was in a in a black neighborhood, and one of the mo- kids' mothers didn't want his kid on the L. My mother could care less. I mean, she grew up in the black neighborhood, so we had no problems at all with any of that stuff. I mean, I you know it wasn't like today. I mean, you could just go wherever you wanted in those days. Imagine at 12 years old, we go all the way up there, no phones, no nothing. And uh, it was Ladies' Day, and it was an absolute riot. We get on the the Addison Street bus afterward, and there had to be 50 of these older Polish cleaning ladies on there. And they must have had a couple of beers, and they're all kind of trashed. And uh, the guy the guy on the Cubs, I don't know if you'll remember this name, Kevin, a guy named Leo Burke. You ever hear that name? He yeah, was, I remember Leo Burke. He was like a journeyman, you know, two years or something. He was on the Cubs in 63 and 64, so that's how I know I was 12. And... Uh, so all of a sudden, these ladies start doing a shoot. He, he hit a ground ball through the hole in the ninth inning. The Cubs won in the bottom of the ninth, even though they had a horrible team. They had Bernie Banks and, and you know a couple guys, so they were 
Uh, they had just gotten uh, Williams and Santa, but they were young. And uh, so all of a sudden, the whole bus is cheering, Leo Burke. <laughs> like, these ladies just had the nicest day ever. Mm. A few beers and, like, God love them. <laughs> to this Burst. day, I'm like, God love them. And, uh, anyway, they, they had a nice afternoon. They had a good time. They had a few beers. They were happy. But uh, I guess what go back to what we were saying, Kevin. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of difference between a company that doesn't really care about its shareholders and a, a place like Notre Dame or Harvard or someplace else. They're essentially a massive for-profit institution, but since there's no shareholders, they can just spread the profit around to whoever they damn well please or, or keep it in... Uh, but you can pay your your head of uh, endowment, you know, ninety million dollars a year. I, mean, I don't think they do, but and nobody. I mean, it's, it's a they're they're sort of away from all of the capitalist uh, controls that people think that owners somehow have controls, and yet and yet I guess they're not they're not really tax free in the sense that if it, if you paid a football coach five million bucks, he has to pay tax on the five million bucks. So so he's not tax free, but still it's. It's kind of an unusual. It's sort of a carve out in the system, isn't it? It's the way it, way it works. Well, it, it is, and and what you're really getting at is, you know, do you manage the business for shareholders or do you manage the business for stakeholders? And you know, I, I think that idea that you have to acknowledge it. So now, when you start looking at uh, uh, a chip plant in Ohio, who are really the stakeholders here? Well, there's a whole lot of industries that have a stake in that, and and it really there is a societal aspect in that uh, uh, you know we, it, it's a key industry and if uh, if we single source or you know eighty percent source uh, through China uh, we are beholden to a company that doesn't or a country that doesn't like us very much um, and so you, you start to run into that so now when you start saying okay who's who's really got a stake in the success of this I, I think that's how you can justify some uh, some government largesse in the uh, process of building the plant but the, the question is what's the quid pro quo on that that's always a term I have a hard time saying um, you know so you know is the you know is the return for Intel uh, Intel's uh, uh, profit only and, and I don't begrudge them making a profit on the deal, uh, but is it also, you know, is there some moderation to that uh, because of what they really, what we need them, you know, because of the largesse that they got and what this, uh, and the reason behind the largesse that we actually need a thriving chip industry in this country. Um, so, you know, that that would be my question. And then, and then you're right. Now you get back to the, you know, uh, who else. You know who else gets it? Does AMD get it? Does uh, um, uh, uh, Nvidia get it? You know, et cetera. Do all those other providers get you know get the same largesse? And and then of course you have a very thriving, very competitive industry. So the question becomes, <laughs> you know, um, did they need the largesse in the first place? Well, I and mean also to speak to Carl's, I, I, I want to save us about eight minutes. I want to talk to you about. Uh, a lot about what my, my nephew has asked me about your, your university, because uh, I think it's, it's certainly fodder for the listeners. But uh, yeah, how, do you, how do you tell the person down the line that all of a sudden wants to put up a chip plant uh, from scratch, maybe using mostly their own money, how do you tell them no? Because we're pretty good at that. Uh, it's just saying, no, no, your name's not on the list. Sorry, bud. The other thing yeah, is... so what I just gave yeah. you was a purely theoretical argument. Now, in the real world, what happens? Uh, and, and, and we know that that's not so pure. Well, also... I mean, what do you do with if the place in China is using, I'll use the term slave labor, 
But it, it's not, from a little bit I know, it's not all that cheap because you got you have to pay, you have to, shall we say this, you have to buy off, it's a horrible way, thing to say. There's there's incidental expenses. I'll be Cindy, uh, Cindy Green Street in, uh, in uh, Casablanca. There's incidental expenses in having a factory where you pay people not very much and nobody ever pitches a bitch, basically. There's people you have to pay to keep your thumb on the neck of all those people. Is that a fair statement? There, there, there's inc- yeah, Slave Master needs to... Uh, yeah, he needs, uh, to, he needs to get greased. Get the, the party guy needs to get greased. But somewhere along the line, we still haven't evened that up. Not to mention the fact they don't care if they pour the stuff in the river, and I don't think the people in Ohio really want the dirty stuff from chip manufacturer being poured in the Ohio River. So, so there's still an evening up process once the place gets built, and uh, you know, and Carl is for these evening up sort of tariffs. It's an idea. I, don't, I haven't thought it all the way through, uh, but it, it, in other words, we still haven't made the, the the playing field even, have we, Kevin? Even if we help we, put the we play haven't, up. no matter what we do, but uh, but. You know, Carl's right. It's an idea that needs to at least be aired. I mean, this is this is my problem, my biggest problem with politics, uh, as it's practiced today, is we just don't deal with substantial issues, especially if it's if they're thorny issues. We don't deal with privacy issues either. No. Um, you know, privacy is a huge deal, and you know, as technology just keeps exploding by the year. Uh, and is it? Do you ever hear it discussed in a uh, no, presidential no. campaign? It's it, the, the lower you can keep the dialogue, but th- you know. But then again, I don't. I don't know. How can I say this? Because I want to finish this real quick. Because I want to get this other topic. We can all, we can talk about this more on Friday. You and I, we do this show. Eliani's on here. Eliani's a bright lady. The two mats are bright people. I think the listeners are. They wouldn't listen to us if they didn't. If they didn't read a book once in a while without pictures, hmm? but the, the question is how much, how much of the rest of society gives a crap what we're talking about? I mean, are, who's wrong, them or us? I mean, if, if you, if you, oh, definitely not us ever. Well, I'm saying that. I think I, I, that that's just like you know rules to live by. As far as I'm concerned, I am definitely not wrong. But I mean, I would say <laughs> that if we if we had a consultant that said the subjects we talk about, and now we're going to be on national radio, they'd say, hey guys. What, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, nobody wants nobody wants to hear about that stuff. Yeah, nobody wants to hear about that stuff. Or if they do, they it just bothers them, and they're going to shut it off. Hey, I or, if or if we're going to discuss it, we're going to discuss it in a three minute hit, and that's going to yeah, be it. Yeah, yeah, on a tweet. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I get that, and uh, so but there there needs to be some substance in all of these, but there's so much that goes behind why we don't do that. Well, sure. Um, but that, these are uh, massive topics. You know, you're, you're right. We we can't even wrestle with it in the next. You know, not in the next five to seven minutes, but definitely not in the uh, in the next, you know, in the, even in the next show or the next week. Well, we're going to try, but hey, I, I want to, Paul Harvey here, page three. My nephew, we had a long conversation with him on, on Monday. My nephew's a good kid. He's a little over 40. He's been in the machinery business for a while, worked for his uncle for a while. And, but now he's in a company that, uh, that uh, well, unfortunately, the guy who's running the place is, is having some health problems, but... So, so Tim, as his name, is out doing more field work and talking to people about things they want to do in their place. And he just tells me, like, every week we have dinner. And, uh, and in fact, he asked me to contact Kevin, and I hope you guys do get together. But he says all along the chain, when you talk about supply chain issues and labor issues, he says because we've, we've offloaded so much of this stuff, we don't have 
the train we have the people we don't have the trained personnel at really any level to to do expansion and uh I mean, I, like I said, I, I told this to Mayor Daly years ago. I mean, he said, "Why don't we have a a, uh, a railroad manufacturer in Chicago?" I said, "Mayor, if I put up a of a sign for I need twenty five welders and twenty five tool and die makers, somebody even or a, you know or guys that did fixtures, nobody even knows what a fixture is for God's sake." I mean, but he was telling me he, he goes to these places and they have you know all this machinery or whatever you're producing. There's conveyors, there's machines. It's complicated. If you've never been to any even a small manufacturing plant. You need to go just to see how difficult it really is to put all this stuff together and work. And he says, but now these, these places will have, they want to expand, and they want us to help them expand and maybe build two conveyors, and those are the kinds of things that Tim's Places does, or at least pieces of these conveyors or, or stuff. I mean, you don't just pop stuff out of a machine. It has to go somewhere. It might have to dry. It might have to do this. I mean, it's, to get stuff from the, the back door to the front door is, is really hard to do. Um, and he says, you know, most of these plants, they might have one or two guys who who maintain all the machines, but now they want to double the amount of machines. The two guys that maintain the machines are both 64. There's nobody like that around. You can put an ad in the paper for a like a, an industry maintenance mechanic. And even even if we build the stuff for everybody, how to maintain it all? That 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 whole ship has sailed. I mean, there might be a few people around. So he was anxious to. That the what you know would your school do you guys teach any of that stuff? I mean, not not just that specifically, but all yep. all the little different areas where some, where I said you know why don't you just tell the owner to place, get a guy he likes, ship him off to Kevin's place. I, I think he probably has. Now my question is how the training for that? How widespread is it? It probably isn't very widespread at all. Is it? Is it? You go on. You know more oh, about no, this. Oh no, there's there's a a lot of so you know we have. Uh, advanced manufacturing, manufacturing automation, um, you know, equipment, uh, you know, even, you know, even, you know, we go from, <laughs> from business, nursing, uh, e- even, uh, um, you know, general education that just, tra- you know, people use to transfer to a, uh, a four-year college to things like HVAC repair. So, uh, you know, yeah, and, and I am sure, I, I don't, I don't doubt that you have Community colleges in Illinois that do the same thing, um, but we definitely do it. You know, if uh, if any of the uh, any of these folks one day, um, you know, if, if I realize they're in Illinois, but come on, you know, across the border to our Northwest Indiana people. Um, so yeah, um, uh, you know, I, I, I did respond. I, I think Tim will probably give me a call, and uh, and we'll take it from there. But um, it's uh, you know, I, I think there's that we have a lot to offer and. You know, I, I think that's when we talk about stakeholders and community colleges. I mean, that's really what we're getting at, isn't it? Um, the, the idea yeah. that we have, uh, um, you know, our communities have needs, and we have to satisfy those needs. And you know, we have to do it in a way that you might not have people thinking that same way when it comes to a, um, a Notre Dame or uh, um, or even a. a University of Illinois or anything that sees themselves with a whole different educational mission. Well, I mean, it used to be the, the plants, you know, p- places like Pullman were big enough. You, you started out as, as a grunt, and then basically you worked your way up, and they trained you. So if you had, you know, ten guys that took care of machinery repair, it's easy to have two guys that are apprentices following the other dudes around until you learn what you're doing. But these other most places aren't that big. 
I mean, just about all places aren't that big, right? I mean, you need somebody at least some semblance of skills when you when you walk in. Oh, the door. And, you, and you need some flexibility. So, you know, for for what I do in the in the supply chain side, you know, it's it, it's one thing to have um, your automation people and your mechanical, you know, uh, uh, engineers and so on that uh, that know how to do things. But you know, I I look at it like this: that the the best thing that I can do for my students. Um, or one of the best things, let's put it that way, is it's one thing if I give them a skill. It's another thing if I give them a full view of start to finish what goes on in a company so that they have some flexibility because, one, is it is good to be, whether you're in purchasing and you're, uh, and, and you're the one who understands everything downstream from purchasing right on to ship things getting shipped out the door or vice versa, um, uh, it, it, even with some IT um, understanding, um, right on down, you know, th- that way, you know, you're better at your job because you understand the uh, the whole picture. But you also have the flexibility to move back and forth within your company and be deployed where you need to be deployed. And I think that's one of the things that when they talk about succession in a company, you know, older people who are going to uh, retire soon, you know, what's the succession? Well, first of all, you have to have people who really understand the functions that they perform in the first place. Um, and, and then you take it from there. Uh, so, you know, that, that's part of what I really work hard to do is to give people a, a you know, an idea of how the whole damn thing works uh, so that they actually can, uh, um, can flex into different positions if they need to. Well, Kevin, I think we're getting to, we're moving in the direction. I'm not saying we're there yet. That there's money in these jobs. I mean, these these uh, smaller. I mean, some places <laughs> don't 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 get it. I mean, I mean, Tim said there was one place where the guy was paying one of these guys like uh, twenty five bucks an hour, and some other place that was expanding and <laughs> all these contracts is paying the guy fifty. <laughs> hey, look, you think he's worth twenty five? He's worth fifty here. The guy the guy moved in a second. I mean, I I think that as, as we start doing more and more here, the the demand for these people. You know, maybe maybe the president of the place isn't going to make five million that year, but other people are. I think we're starting to see a little bit of movement in some of these jobs being pretty darn good jobs, and where you can actually. Yeah, there, this is you know when when we lament the loss of the middle class, this is really where middle class jobs are, uh, and and you don't necessarily need you know a four year college degree uh, to get them, but you need some kind of uh, some kind of training. So you know my. My sweet spot for getting new students into into supply chain is the, the either the person who's just gotten moved up to su- uh, supervisor level, or uh, potentially the person that's a really good employee and they uh, they have their eye on making them a supervisor. Because supervisors now you're good, you've got to you have to go deal with the rest of the company. You have to uh, you, you know you have to start coordinating your activities. So. That's perfect for saying, okay, I can help you uh, with people who really understand how things flow all the way through your business. Well, plus, I mean, fifty bucks an hour. You do the math. That's that's over hundred G a year with benefits. It's not a bad spot. You can raise a family on that. You can raise a family on that, and then if you start seeing yourself down the road as the plant manager or the uh, uh, VP of operations or, or you know a big title like that. Um, then you come back. We can give you some more education. <laughs> you know, well, we, can, yeah. we can give you the financial education that you need. Well, we I think if we, you, you know, and, and that's really what you know. That as far as I'm concerned, that's what uh, you know.
you know, our educational model is, because not everybody can afford to go away to four-year college. I would agree. Or, you know, whether it's uh, whether it's the dollars, whether it is uh, the time, you know, the ability to be away from family. Some people have, you know, they're people, young people with families, you know, that that you know, went to work right out of high school. And uh, and now I have a family. I can't go away to four year college, but you know what? I can uh, I, fall to spring. I can get them skilled up with a certificate. Then if they come back, they're part way to their associate's degree. And uh, you know, if you if you want to keep going, we'll get you into uh, IUSB or Goshen College or something like that. And you keep going. And I think that's a really really strong educational model. Well, we were very positive today. If our politicians got their head out of their behind, maybe they could see some of this good stuff, too. But anyway, SB Futures... Well, the state of Indiana is behind that thought process. Um, different states uh, to different degrees. I would agree. SB Futures down 7. As if he was down 12, back Mr. Russell Rhodes. Professor Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 
Lone Wolf X, Daxton Jackson. I'm Tamal Eliani on the board. SP Futures down six. Nancy Futures down nine. Is after a huge update yesterday. We got Netflix up twelve dollars, twelve sixty now after being up like twenty-seven or eight, eight last night. Let's give them back about half of that, but still pretty strong on uh, uh, well subscriber uh, not growth the other way uh, de- decretion, shall we say? Um, hey, Russell, um, how are you? I assume you're here. How are you, buddy? I'm doing fine. How are you? All right, Happy Wednesday. Kevin. Uh, Saying the praises of uh, Indiana, as do you. I heard that. What? Uh, so how is it he sings the praises of Indiana, and so do you, and you live in Illinois, and he lives in Michigan? Well, I, I'm really, I'm a resident of Indiana. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh, good. So I, I, I got to reiterate that for tax purposes a few times. I'm a, I'm a resident of Indiana. So I, you spend, I spend more than uh, six months of the year in Indiana. So, uh, so I have an address and a driver's license, so stuff like that, man. The only reason I'm here is because i got these women weighing me down that won't move. Um, if you're six months the high school old? Student, the high school students and my wife, and I think the two dogs like it here as well. Um, if you're six months away from your dogs, are they still your dogs? Uh, one of them is. She, she, it, we go through a whole, you know, pissed off for a day when I come home, and then, ah. then over it. Oh, yeah, a well, they definitely can hold a grudge, without a doubt. Oh yeah, no. Oh I, yeah, it's, uh, I know. Uh, I, I had a friend who, who had like a dog that was a single dog in the house for about a decade, and they got a second dog, and that dog walked over and stared at the corner for like an hour and a half when the new dog showed up. Yeah, like I, I'm not even going to acknowledge this is going on right now. And I just hope that I wake <laughs> up and he or she is gone. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, my Audrey's right establishment. Uh, the best thing that happens to Maggie the Maltese when I walk in, I sit down near the TV and she hops right up next to me and like never moves. Never has to worry about the poodle bugging her or anything. She's very safe. I protect her. She wants no part of the poodle comes close. Poodle comes close. All you hear is <laughs> just get away from me. Get out of here. Get out of here, kid. You bug. Any me. any dog that needs to be protected from a poodle, I, I'm I'm going to question whether it's really a dog. Uh. <laughs> not, not in terms of personality, but the poodle is just so big, and and, and and just when she runs up, she can she's big enough to where she can like step on you if you're if you're a Maltese. Mm-hmm. No, personality wise, I don't know. She never bite her or anything. It's just she's just big enough to where she doesn't want any part of her, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Anywho, but uh, hey, uh, I have a question. We, I mean, we had this huge rally yesterday, and uh, I I wonder, you know, when you start seeing, we talked a little bit about. You know, all of a sudden, these semiconductors are hot, and the, the rumor—I guess the, they must have had to announce it—but Pelosi's hubby bought five million dollars of Nvidia last week, and the stock's up, you know, whatever, twenty bucks since he bought it, or fifteen. Uh, there's people that know the names that are in these bills, and uh, and obviously, you see a big move like yesterday. Now, this bill, I guess, is probably going to get passed. I mean, I don't know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Uh, it essentially has to do with coming up with an awful lot of fundings to relocate uh, chip companies here, and we're bidding essentially against some countries in Europe and Canada and other places, correct? And how much we're going to give companies to essentially relocate out of Taiwan to other places. Is that is that the nuts and bolts of what I'm, of what I'm saying here? I think not necessarily relocate, but when they build new fabs, build them, build them here, which for national security purposes, it makes an awful lot of sense. Right. But, I mean... Is, I mean, they, one of the reasons that Russia is having such a difficult time 
is because they lost access to basically they lost access to semiconductors to uh, you know they, they go into so many things including weapons. Well, so, I, but I mean, the, the, the important you, I would you know if you go back to World War Two uh, and you know being able to produce steel as quickly as possible and shape it into things to go fight the other side was a big, big, big deal. I would equate um, semiconductors to that in this day and age. Well, that they're, they're really that important. So, I, beyond you know the insider trading or if you can really call it that on. Doing this, I do agree with doing this big time. I think it's something we probably um, should do a little bit more of, where we realize, you know, we all of our, you know, everything for our healthcare industry was coming from China, and then all of a sudden we suddenly uh, were not getting anything from them when we needed it because of the COVID situation. Uh, we got to look at being self-sufficient in areas that are very important, and I put semiconductors there. I uh, so, have no argument. So, and no argument, except I have an argument. Um, how's that for? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Every everything is important for national. By the way, I'm agreeing with you 100. percent Except I I don't want at the end of the day the fascist system you are describing that we're going to have four companies. I mean, didn't oh that 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 get this federal money? You and I can't apply. If we do, they're going to say, you guys are chump change. And all of a sudden, it's going to be drugs. It'll be something else. And all of a sudden, we have 25 industries with four people that somehow managed to get to Congress. I guarantee you, if Pelosi's old man has NVIDIA stock, that she's not going to finance the Russell and Chief plant. Oh, no. No. I mean, well, they're, they're, only a handful, they're only a handful of domestic companies that, you know, that... that Without knowing the names in the bill, you can easily guess the names in the bill, or you could do oh. what I did and just buy a semiconductor fund. Okay, <laughs> but I mean, I, there's there's ways to, to benefit, obviously, but we didn't yeah. get in at the same time. I mean, I, I somebody was it wasn't you, was it, Russell? So one of the contributors to the show told me years ago, and I think it was probably before you came on, but told me that some bill came through Congress with a couple of company's names in the bill, specifically named in the bill. And uh, somebody said that there hadn't been a bill with, with a specific company name in it since World War II. And now we're doing it all the time. We're, we're, we're picking the winners in Congress. And we're letting these bumps trade off something nobody else knows about. I mean, to me, that's yeah. unconscionable. I mean, you and I, oh, I, I you're a pretty eloquent yeah. dude. I'm going to say that virtually everything we do is national security. I mean, my, my nephew was talking about how now he's going around with the various manufacturing plants that are trying to uh, expand because their, their company supplies some of these. And now every one of these mm-hmm. places has one or two machine mechanics that are basically, you know, in their 60s. Okay, well, I could make an eloquent thing that, but by the way, uh, machine mechanics, maintenance mechanics in all these places are now an, an item of national security and you got to give Russell and me and Kevin $50 billion to build a school just for that. I mean, people can make arguments like this all the time. It's not a question of whether it's an argument mm-hmm. or not. It's whether or not you get the right lobbyists to have the, your argument carry the day. And, and, and if you have people in Congress, like, trading against this stuff, this is not government to me. I mean, somewhere along the line, the American system, which you know better than me because you're a professor, is people are supposed to see the need and they're supposed to fill the need through the normal way. of Exactly. And, and now every single time... 
I mean, how the hell are you and I ever going to compete with the people in Iowa or in Ohio? And how do they end up? How do we end up with no stock and no board seat? <laughs> I like that. I like the no stock and no board seat. Well, really, why? Why? Um, I mean, why wouldn't we? We just we just paid up a quarter of the money for the place. Why don't we get ten percent of the stock or fifteen? I mean, I'm not saying even a quarter, but something. Oh, but um, if you start to do that, then we, we we really do start to bump into a socialist system. Well, I mean, why, um, but you with the, but, with the government owning companies, I, you know, um, that and and we don't want that, um, and we don't want the government picking the winners and the losers. But unfortunately, that seems to be there seems to be more and more of that going on, as opposed to. Um, Know, backing an industry, I, I am all on board with making sure that we continue to have the ability to manufacture cars in the U.S. Well, I am with you too. Yeah, but, but all of it, and I'm all on board with making sure that we have the ability to um, manufacture semiconductors. And one of the issues that you're going to have is if 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 it's a, if it's some sort of industry that can be moved offshore for much cheaper then you've got to do something to incentivize the companies to keep the manufacturing here. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say, and if, if the city of Chicago ponies up, you know, or, or the city of Mars ponies up $200 million for a bear stadium, and I, I, I got news for you, I want 20% of the stock. But the, the city should be able to, well, in a roundabout way, the city does get the benefit because, the, all the sales tax revenues are going to stick to here instead of going out to Arlington Heights. Um, yeah, so there, there is a, a payback scenario there, but uh, I've, I've never been a big fan of of what you just of what you just talked about about the cities having to. Oh, me neither. Me neither. Uh, build the stadium for a private business. Well, what do you make of? Uh, uh, and, and, I, and you know what? You, you just said everything is vital to national security. And and I just caught you contradicting yourself a little bit. Uh, having the Bears in Chicago is, you know, maybe for a few people, but it really is not a matter of no, no. <laughs> but I'm saying, <laughs> but I, I agree that that obviously Trump thought steel was okay, mm-hmm. which it, which it is. I mean, if you I mean, if you're going to build an aircraft carrier, we need at least one steel plant. Though I'm not disagreeing with with the Trumper on that one, yeah. but at some point, ev- everything is everything everybody does is is for something. You're going to give the steel plant money for for a steel plant. Well, now you and I have a plant where we make parts for the conveyors in the steel plant. Well, now do we get our pace? Yeah. Well, no, no, you're not. You're not the steel plant. But wait a minute. Half the equipment there is my equipment that I built. Now, now do I get do I get part of where, where's the where's the window for me, or is it just for them because they've got the lot? That's that's what I don't like. Is well, if, if they get it, doesn't it trickle down to you a little? No, bit? not always. That, that's the point. It, Okay. Let's well, put it this way. I want to be, I mean, and, and you're doing pretty well for yourself, and I'm proud of you, and I'm, I'm proud to be a friend of you on the show. You're still not a trickler. <laughs> I want to be, I, I'm tired of being a trickle I wouldn't uh, mind being a trickle. You don't want to be trickled on anymore? No, I, I'd, I'd want to be, give me all the dough. Yeah. I'll go into the Bass Pro Shop and say yeah. bass, bass Boat's around. Just for once, I want to be the trickler. I understand. I totally understand. Well, and you don't think? Well, I do. I, 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 I do agree. I mean, we and we can agree to disagree, but I do agree that um, the government should be protect. We, 
the, the thing that sets different countries apart is the ability to be self-sufficient. And when you're not self-sufficient, uh, like Japan, back in the early part of the 1900s, not fully self-sufficient. They had to go out and conquer some people to make sure uh, they had access to energy and other things. We have all of that here. We have everything that we need. If we put a giant wall up around the United States, um, we could completely take care of ourselves um, and the rest of the world. Wait a minute. You we really could. We have, we'd, have, we'd, have, nothing that, we'd have no coal in us. nothing that we can't do. We have no coal in us. We couldn't make Coca-Cola. Or Pepsi. We don't have what? We have no coal in us. I'm sure there would be a way that we could make them ourselves. Um... Is there stuff we would be missing? You wouldn't have any chocolate. Yeah. You wouldn't have any I'm cocoa. Okay with that. Well, your wife isn't, or your your daughters. Yeah, I know. But no, for for essential things around life, yes. That if if every country had to suddenly stop interacting with other countries, and I don't think it's something that we should do, but if it were to happen, we would be okay as a country. Yes. We would be that's not that's not true. Certainly uh, certainly relatively okay. Most places. So you know, Russia right now, Russia with Ukraine, they probably could be. Russia without Ukraine, they can't feed themselves. And that's I think that's part of the motivation right there. Um yeah, except there's they're so close and if you don't I mean, we don't We've been friends with Canada forever. We don't need to conquer them just to be able to trade with them. No, we don't. You know, I just, well, I guess, as you, as you know, I, uh, I think that when the, when the government does this kind of largesse, it just has to be very, very rare, and it has to be the, the situations, and I happen to agree with you, right now to jumpstart the semiconductor industry in this country is probably not a bad idea, but I want the I want the cashier's window open for anybody, not just the people who have the lobbyists. And by the way, why they all leave in the first place? Well, what what do you make of? Uh, I don't know if you listened on Friday, but Carl has his theme. Uh, you know, Carl's got a few themes, but and I don't know how this would actually work. He said, but our our problem always has been that if we if we have a you know whatever call it child labor, we don't have child labor here. Yet we allow companies to go other places, use child labor, mm-hmm. and, and compete against the places here. And and, the, and I'll use the term: there's no such thing as a stupid person, but the dummies that live here, including me, go and buy some stuff, and I don't check and see if it's not from China. We buy it anyway because it's cheaper. We're we're willing participants in the, uh, you know, in this country. I mean, depending on, uh, you know, we have, oh, certainly a lot of people. Are you know upset with the fact that we had slavery in our past, and I am too. But mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do about it. Maybe it was in our past. Just make sure it never happens again. But we have people who want to do reparations. People want to do all kinds of stuff. And yet, I'm going to say that most of the black community thinks nothing about going buy Nike shoes, which is oh, I, uh, amazing, I, amazing to me. But most of the most of the people in the United States. Yeah. Um, however, you're you're talking to somebody that refused refuses to buy anything Nike. Right, and what I'm saying is... I really, I, I, I really, I try hard, but it's, it's darn near impossible. But right? Carl's, Carl's I, convinced I like, that what we're doing, yeah. I mean, he, he says it more bluntly than I do, he says we've essentially offshored 
our pollution and our slavery and our child labor. Yep. And he goes, we need to have tariffs that even that up. That if something comes from China, and okay, we know you got slave labor and you know we got pollution, uh, well, guess what? Here's the. I don't know how that would work. I don't know if it would work, but it certainly would, if there was a debate about it, it would certainly maybe perk people's ears up to the fact that that is essentially what we're doing. When we talk about yeah. these rare earth stuff, we have rare earth mines here, I think, but don't we ship the stuff to China because the processing is so dirty and they bring it back? Yeah. No, we, we ship a lot of things to China that um, are too dirty to do here, like supposedly recycling our plastic. Um, yeah. When you when you put a, a plastic bottle into the recycling thing, um, odds are nothing's going to get done to it until it has gone on a, sh- on a boat all the way to China. Really? I did not to know. To be that. recycled. Oh, yeah. Uh, most of, and the thing beyond that is if China doesn't have... If, if China doesn't have, um, you know, the capacity or the need for, for the recycled China, that recycled plastic that we pay them to take, they dump the crap in the ocean. Yeah, but it's in their ocean, not ours. And, well, it, it's all of ours. Uh, it's all, the Pacific yes. Ocean uh, is all of our own. Yeah, I would, yes. I would say you yes, are yes, correct yes. on that. But, I mean, yeah. there's, there's people that think, uh, though, that it's, it's not. I mean, it's, it's like the... Uh, I mean, it, yeah. it, the, the more you the more you dig into the behaviors in that part of the world, um, the more I, I really believe we should just do our very best to have as little to do with them as we possibly can. Uh, I'm not. But we integrated ourselves an awful lot, and now we just need to. Um, you know, it's kind it's kind of like somebody that would be married to Tom Cruise. You know, if you're married to Tom Cruise, all the Scientologists are watching you all the time, and you got to have like a long term plan to get out of that marriage. <laughs> is he is he still still? And I think we need to have a long term plan to extract ourselves from China, and you know what? Let China and Russia be their own little block. Let them trade with each other, and we'll trade with the free world. We're just you know, the the Cold War was not the end of the world. You know, we had the free countries that traded with each other, got along quite nicely, and then you know we had you know the Soviet bloc. Nope. If Russia and China want to, you know, butt up and and share natural resources and run their own, you know, economic system together, let them have at it, and we'll just run the free world again. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with. It. I I just wonder some of our policies, like with the energy policy. I, I'm all for. I was yesterday. I launched into a, a thing about I, I I the guys at Pullman had me in the electric locomotive train. 30 years ago for God's sake make that 50 years ago mm-hmm. and I, I would I would love to see that today but I this idea that we as soon as we decide a, a coal plant maybe isn't the best I would want us to be energy independent to the point where we use the coal plant four days a week three days a week two days a week and finally down to one I don't know I ever want to necessarily tear it down I'm not saying ever but uh, I want to keep the thing to where as, as clean as it could be to where if ever we have a problem war-wise or something, and, and something gets cut off, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I think we can just say, turn those things back on three days until this war thing's over or whatever. I mean, what what they've done in Germany to me is is, is so so stone cold ignorant. I, I don't believe it. I mean, it, uh, I just I don't understand that at all. Well, I they're trying. You know, they're they're just trying to get they're trying to 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 save the world in their mind. 
and uh, the way that they're going about saving the world is, uh, you know, diminishing our way of life a little bit. Well, yeah, and I, I, I mean, uh, you, yeah, you it, talk about the, I mean the people who say everybody should drive an electric car, and I've had debates with people about this, and yet, I mean, and I, and I, by the way, I'd love to see, like I said, I want to see commuter rails electrified. I want to see electric locomotives in the, in the freaking southwest desert, for God's sake, where there's nothing but wind and, uh-huh. and solar. And, you know, you know, by the way, electric locomotives are more powerful than diesels. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did not know that. Um, you got to put a whole lot of weight yeah. in them to make sure you get your traction, but uh, the most powerful locomotive in the world is a Russian electric diesel locomotive. It's like 40,000 horsepower. Oh, Oh, I read about that recently, about how, like, the longest train ever pulled was by one of these things. Yeah. Well, the big old, the big old coal... That big-ass country. Those big old coal so, guys with the, the, that were, like, a half a block long, they could pull a hell of a lot, too. But you don't want to go back to coal-fired locomotives. But the... No, I'm saying, we, we, we can do an awful lot here, and we haven't. I mean, I, yesterday, I'm not going to do it again, but I went through a routine of the mm-hmm. commuter cars we built for the city of Boston... In 1978, were designed to be electrified. They never got electrified. We would have been a you know a couple of weeks in a shop to electrify them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, the traction motor holders were there, the, oh. pantogra- the pantograph holders were there, the raceways were there, everything. They, they, they were retired. They never they never were. I mean, no, it, but, you know, and at the same at the same time, we got to figure out how to make um, clean electricity, which loops around the nuclear, but. Everybody's afraid of nuclear energy. We need we need to have the the breeder reactor, and we need to have a uh, mm-hmm. you know we need some more nuke things. But we we've got the breeder reactor is the most important because we got to make figure out what we do with the waste, and that takes care of the waste, correct? Yeah, and I again I I think last week or a couple weeks ago I said if Elon Musk really wants to help out, instead of trying to figure out how to get to Mars, figure out how to launch that crap into space safely. Um, we need to get rid of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I th- why? If you can recycle it. Oh, or do something with it. Yeah. yeah. What, I, what I are we going to do? That would be a better use of... of and, that's, and Bill Gates is trying to do a lot of that. But in your, in your That's your, one of his big initiatives. But in your southwest areas and places where nothing but sun, uh, I think I think you need to do a lo- an awful lot more with the, the solar and the wind. And somehow or another, you've got to get... And I don't know how to do this because you know I'm, I'm I'm sort of anti-government doing this stuff, but somehow or another, you can't have the individual electrical companies in control of pieces of the grid, to where they don't let other people act. I mean, you've got that huge wind yeah. farm in Indiana, and half of them are. My buddy uh, Bobby says half of them are turned off because they can't, there's not they won't let them. They don't need them in the grid. They won't even on a windy day. They won't. They won't slow down. No, the they uh, yeah. If if you don't need if if you don't need it, they shut them down and. I um I had to go down on Monday and I drove back Monday. Um, it was about seventy degrees in Indiana, and, and so nobody was blasting their AC or anything. Hardly any of those turbines were were going when I was doing the drive back. Right on Monday. Now I I I, I pay more attention to that than I used to because I and you know they go on for miles and miles and miles, but very few of them were actually moving. But now that is there a uh are the lines from there to some place? Uh, the people who put in those windmills uh, probably don't have the money to redo all the, the power lines. Now, whose job is that? Now, Commonwealth Edison is going to say, well, it's not mine. Or Northern Indiana, in, 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 electric might say, 
I got I got my stuff going here. I'm perfectly happy charging for mine. Oh, guess what? I got, I got a piece of news for you. I got my gas bill. Mm-hmm. I just paid my gas bill. Um, a new low in gas bills. Guess how much the bill was and guess how much gas I used. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, I got an apartment. I'm assuming, I'm assuming very little. But if your gas bill was 50 bucks, 45 of it was taxes and fees. 50 bucks. I used zero uh, I used zero gas. Oh, it was all uh, the yeah. access fee, the tax. The yeah. Yeah, well, it was thirty some dollars. Yeah, know, thirty some dollars. Flush fund fee, access fee, and twelve bucks tax. But here's the here's the kicker: the access uh-huh. is is uh, there's four units in my building, and it actually breaks off into the building next door. Who, by the way, Blackjack McDowell used to live next door. Uh, so there's actually five access things coming off a line that has to be a hundred years old. A place is at least a hundred years old. So maybe so say the line's mm-hmm. seventy years old. So there's two hundred and fifty bucks a month for a seventy year old line. Don't you love it? That's uh that's recurring cash flow. Yeah, it's good good work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah. We're actually right now uh, in in downtown Indianapolis, they're redoing all the lines because they're so old and they're only charging the customers in downtown Indianapolis for redoing the line. Really? Isn't that nice? They're making they're making the actual people that are going to benefit from it pay for it. Uh, well, it's not a bad idea. I mean, but I mean, the gas not line, at all. But gas lines were never like lead or anything. Why do you got to change them? I mean, no, 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 no. It's an electric line. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. That, that that's pretty. SP futures down eleven. Nasdaq futures down twenty five. Yeah. Hey, when we come back, Russell, let's try and work the uh, the rally yesterday. Let's try and look to see. The money flow on this new bill and see exactly where it's going to come, okay. fed, fed policy and a whole bit. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investment climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. 
when now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lord Oakbanks, Thanks and Jackson. I'm Tom Hall. She's Eliani on the board. Let me say, hopefully I didn't get rid of my page here because I'm, I'm digging around here uh, because they just uh, advanced this uh, uh, chip thing in the Senate. I'm just reading here right now. The uh, Senate just advanced the bill, but this thing was supposed to be $250 billion. It's down to $50 billion. Senate on Tuesday voted to advance a slimmed-down version of the bill designed to boost U.S. semiconductor competition with China. The legislation would provide about $50 billion in subsidies to bolster U.S. computer chip manufacturing. It's a multifaceted bipartisan, so it looks like it's going to go through. It also looks like it was 50 compared to 250 a couple years ago when somebody first dreamed of it. Anyway, S&P futures down 8, and S&P futures up down 10. So we've got just a little bit of yesterday's uh, run-up, but it's not very much. Dow down 83, and Netflix was a, a big winner last night, up 20-some dollars. It's only up 10 now, so... Who knows, the spread I did put on here might still be a winner. That'd be nice. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX down 65. This kind of turned the market a little bit this morning as the DAX was up and it turned down as we're starting to be more and more concerned about natural gas usage and supply over in Europe. They're talking about maybe a, a across the board trying to get down 15% in usage. Uh, boy, I don't know how you do that, but they're going to try it. Uh, FTSE down 15 that's uh, 0.2%, can't around down 34.6%, so down but not much. So they were up a bunch yesterday. Asia, however, really catch up to us yesterday, so they're all huge up. Nikkei up 7, 17%, 2.7%, Shanghai up 25.8%, Hang Seng up 229, 1.1%. Uh, Hang Seng, well, hey, Russell comment on this. This thing is flying from 21,500 to maybe 20,000 violently every day and never breaks out of the range, which... Is, is, is really something to watch. Uh, bonds, uh, down 7 basis points, 2.95, so under 3% again. One down 8 to 1.20. Japan minus 1 to 0.24, so they're right around that number all the time. Oil, down uh, down 98, so that's almost 2%. 102.24, Brent down 2.10, 105.25. Natural gas up 14 cents, 7.41. We had gold down a buck now, 17.09. Silver down, actually up 3 cents, 18.74. Copper up four cents, two thirty, three thirty-four. And I probably should start giving the dollar every morning. Dollar is actually uh, stronger today. The euro, euro dollar is down to one point zero one nine five. It ducked under a, a buck for maybe a nanosecond during the show. Either Thursday, either Friday or Monday morning. It's come back from there, but 
The dollar is stronger again today. Uh, crypto up again, 282 to 23,784, so way above that kind of key 20,000 number. So we've had a pretty good rally in crypto the last couple of days. It's a lot of stuff there, Ayani. Too much stuff. What do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports? I also have too much stuff. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.36 a.m. on July 20th. Let's start with sports. we got some games to look forward to this Friday. Cubs will be playing the Phillies at 6.05. White Sox will play the Guardians at 7.10. And Diamondbacks will be playing the Nationals at 8.40. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, mostly sunny. We are sitting with pretty high humidity today, so that's going to be fun. Uh High of 90, low of 74. Looking at weather in Phoenix, there is an air quality alert yellow, so be mindful of that. Mostly cloudy, sitting at 90 degrees currently with a high of 111 and a low of 88. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, there is lots, so let's get into it. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 to downtown, approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect. We got traffic westbound on 290 between Holman and 9th. Traffic northbound on 294, intermittent traffic, excuse me, northbound on 294 between the I-20 connector and the 55 ramp and between the 290 I-88 ramp and the I-90 connector. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 tri-state ramp and Lawrence, traffic westbound between Lawrence and West Higgins. We've got traffic eastbound on 94 between Tuohy and Canalport and westbound between East 130th and Old Orchard Road. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and the Lakeshore Drive ramp. And finally, we have intermittent traffic southbound on uh, Stevenson between South Damon and Cicero and between Harlem and Route 171. Back to you, Chief. We have um, the, uh, like I said, we're, we're, keep, we're, we're slinking down here a little bit this morning, but we could turn around here in a second on this stuff. But uh, Also, for a second, why don't we take somebody, hopefully not nauseatingly boring, through the, uh, what happens when somebody comes up with, like, you know, with, with a, uh, a bill like, like we're doing here. And um, we're going to have a, let's, let's say it's passed with a, and they're going to spend uh, uh, $50, $50 billion. Now, there probably isn't in that bill any kind of specific tax to pay for this, correct? I'm not saying there should or shouldn't be. I'm just saying that there, that there probably isn't, right? Uh, uh, so, so somewhere along the line now, you're going to have to say, well, uh, you know, what? Uh, how, how are we going to pay for this? And there's only uh, three ways to do that. One is to tax, and we just said, well, we're not going to do that. Okay, so now we're we're looking at uh, are we going to borrow it, um, and that's a possibility. Uh, just flat out borrow. We're going to want to borrow fifty billion dollars just for this bill. Now we're going to spend it all at the same time, but hold mm-hmm. with me here for a second. Or we're we going to look to the Fed and say, well, we need help. Uh, we, we we're going to go out for these bonds. And by the way, why don't you help us with some money? And still, we have now a Fed that's saying. You know, I wish everybody put a sack in their mouth regarding how aggressive they are with this fighting inflation because they really haven't done anything. They keep talking about it, but but everybody puts a sack in their mouth. The simple fact is, the Fed is still, even though they, they pretty much stopped money supply growth the last couple of months, they're still charged here with with a, with a with a government that in this year, this fiscal year so far, has spent 4.3 trillion and has taken in 3.8. So there's still a half a trillion dollars there. That's a problem, right? Uh, uh, by, by anything I, I look at here, so somebody has to kind of come up with that. Now I'm sure they're borrowing some of it. I don't think the taxes have gone up, and I'm sure they're petrified by the market going down because they're going to lose out on those taxes, right? 
So, the, the, mm-hmm. I mean, is the Fed even capable? Unless, you know, Powell picks up the phone when a conference call to the two knuckleheads that run the Senate and the House, you know, by the president and say, you can pass this bill all you want, but you better have $50 billion you're borrowing from somebody because I'm not giving you a nickel because I'm saying money supply growth is stopping. I'm not buying any of this crap. I mean, because this all really does tie together. It, I mean, you, and I, I don't think Powell or anybody is strong enough to say, you, you better stop passing these bills because I'm not helping you. I mean, I, I don't think people necessarily get how this all sort of ties together. The Fed is is not an island, Russell. You, you take it from here. You're the professor. Well, the Fed's not an island. That's for darn sure. Um, the, the way things are supposed to work, uh, the Fed's not supposed to be involved in the $50 billion for the semiconductor industry. That, you know, there's the monetary side and the fiscal side. The monetary side is what the Fed does, and the fiscal side is what the, the Congress does, and, which is tax and spend. But somehow the line between the two has gotten extremely blurred, probably going back to 2008, uh, where you know, everybody had to work, work together in an emergency situation. And it's amazing um, when government starts to behave a certain way in an emergency situation, it just kind of sticks. And, that, and now it's become, you know, business as usual that, you know, government at the fiscal side, uh, Congress is going to come up with a new way to spend money, and they're just going to depend upon the Fed to spend that money or to come up with the money to be spent. Well, the and eventually that, eventually that, and that's the kind of crap they do in places like Argentina that go bankrupt every 15 years. Well, right, but it, I guess uh, yeah, it, it's a complete lack of it, it, there's a complete lack of uh, discipline, and there's a complete uh, it, somebody needs to go to Congress and say, "Do you think money grows on trees?" And I bet you ha- over half of them think that it does. Well, because the Fed has been it just comes from nowhere, you but, know. But the Fed has been so I'll use the term cooperative. In fact, my, my buddy Robert, accommodative. Yeah, my my buddy from the uh, the Fed was in a couple of weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> of course, I like to jab him a little bit because he, the guy knows more about economics. Uh, you know more about the stuff you're teaching, but in terms about in terms of history and and how exchange, how stuff uh, uh, clears country to country and all that kind of stuff. The guys, uh-huh. I mean, he writes books on the stuff. But I said, you know, the guy's name is Robert. I said, Robert, I, if you go back, you know more about this history than anybody. Can you think of one time where there actually was? total fiscal policy. He looked at me like I had four heads. He's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I, don't, I, can't, I can't, that's why I'm asking you, you know more about these other countries than me. Has there ever been, because total fiscal policy, by my definition, and not that I knew Keynes, but if I'm going to spend $100 million more than I have as a government, I'm going to go out and I'm, I'm going to either tax more Okay, because I think that I'm going to get better bang for the buck than the people with the taxes, or I'm going to borrow it. I don't think that mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever once happened without the, the the central government, whatever you want to call them, Bank of the United States, Bank of Germany. I don't think it's ever happened without the central bank helping at least a little bit, saying, "Well, I'll put a little more money in the system for you to make it easier for you," or something. Do you? I mean, can I, I can't. I'm sure there there has to. No, be. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm actually. I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to think. You know, and I don't know how things were run during World War II. 
Um, but you know, to raise money for the war, they were selling. They they were borrowing it. They were selling war bonds to everybody. Well, you, you always have to borrow. The question you is, know, that, I mean, they, does the Fed go were, buy it? And I don't know if it was a, a more patriotic thing, just to make sure everybody was on board, or if it was um, we're not going to be able to fight this war unless everybody buys these bonds. Well, when I, when I say the Fed helping, but, the, the, the the financing mm-hmm. always comes from them borrowing, right? That's that's the only way mm-hmm. that, that the Treasury can get the money. The question is, does the Fed create some money and go buy some of those bonds so people have more money to buy them again? Right? I mean, the Fed never is just going to give them the dough. You know, come over to bail yeah. hundreds and then give it to the, the Secretary of the Treasury. They're not going to do that. But what they end up doing is they go out and, and they, they issue $100 million worth of bonds, so they, they jam it basically up to behind of the bond buyers, but then the Fed comes around and buys $20 billion back, right? So now, yeah. so now they've, they've essentially financed 20% of it through new money. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it, this thing, I should, I should get this guy's, uh, uh, I'd love to get him on the show. But he'd be, boy, if you and him are on the same time, this guy John Steele Gordon from this Hillsdale College talks about the difference in, in the Civil War between the North and the South. And the, the North essentially put 10 to 12% money supply growth every year, which, you know, is some, but it's not horrible, where the South was 30 to 40%. So at the end of three years, the South's, South's currency was worthless, everything was useless, and basically that's what, in his mind, was at least as, as much why the war was lost by the South as the North. And after the, after the war, the North, with, with the extra money they put in, they were pretty much able to drag the greenbacks out while, while in such a manner that which the economy still stayed pretty strong after the war. Matter of fact, it was real strong. And they actually only only really loaded up the currency 10 12%, where the South was, like I say, 30 40 Where I mean, right now, mm-hmm. you know, we're loading up. So I'm saying, I don't know of any time when a central bank has never helped a little bit to where there's never actually really fiscal policy. It's always some combo, right? Right. And I, so when, when people... But, uh, see I think what, what's, what's happened is the, it's become more and more monetary and less and less fiscal. Well, I would agree. I mean, I mean last year... Yeah, uh, and well, last and year, there's no real responsibility for the... It, Congress... The House, they got to run for the. They got to get reelected every two years, right? And if if they're doing a bunch of things that are fiscally responsible, but um, make their constituents be mad, they're not going to get their job back. End of story. Uh, the, that, that's not the way that it works with the Federal Reserve. Well, but I mean, I. Uh, they, but I mean, it's possible you might not get you know reappointed chairman, but it it's not as you know straightforward and direct as it is for Congress. So right. it, it, if you think about it from like a carrot and stick type of situation, um, there's maybe somewhat of a carrot for the Fed to do some things, but there's no stick if they, you know, if they, if, if they do too much of a good thing. And they've done too much of a good thing, and that's led to the inflation situation that we have right now. So they get griped at a little bit, but that's about it. They get griped at. If somehow you were able to and politically, this is happening right now. Uh, if you try to, to, you know, pin the Democrats because they're in charge right now, uh, if you try to pin the um, inflation thing on them, 
they're automatically deflecting it and blaming it on the war in Ukraine. Well, and it, regardless of, of whether anything they've done has caused it or not. Well, they they because they're going to deflect they it there. They say, "Yeah, you're right. We made some mistakes. They're not going to get reelected." Well, if you look at I got two numbers here for you, Russell, and feel free to take this to class with you. Fiscal year 2021, we were 2.7 trillion dollars in the hole, federal government. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you would say, and I went here to my my uh, federal money or uh, balance sheet. So what would I say? 2.7. The federal balance sheet, by my rough estimate here, grew a trillion five in the same period. So essentially, uh, the government had a tax or or a borrow a trillion two, and the Fed essentially gave them the other trillion five, right? In mm-hmm. new money. In new money. And that's really the math, right? And that's that's why we have the inflation we yeah. have today. But there's no there's any there's no no debate to that. Although there are a few people that think that's wrong. Well, yeah, well, because you said there's no debate to it. I I think there's no debate to it either. But there are people that will debate it with you. And some of them are in the Council of Economic <laughs> Advisors. Yeah, the lady. Yeah. How, how did the lady who wrote the new monetary theory? I guess here's a question. Um, every place you look, every place you look that has a an inflation issue, you look the year before. I mean, I just was was Turkey a few weeks ago. I was reading some article that they their inflation was seventy percent. So sure enough, I Google. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm horrible at this, but I'm not that bad. I Google Turkish money supply, and the year before, the money supply is up seventy percent. I mean, duh. And I, you know what? It's it's funny you brought up Turkey. I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you know, the president of Turkey is also the uh, head of the central bank. Yeah, well, I mean, he's 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 making up his own money. The Romans did that. This is no, not no, he, he this is not a new game. He, uh, um, uh, and, and took over. Well, you know, in the yeah, uh, that was a while back. I'm not sure if he still is. But well, no, and he fired. I that was kind of a fun move on his part. Well, he fired the other guy, thinking the guy was screwing up. But I mean, name me yeah. name me one time with the word there was inflation without the money supply growing up. I mean, these people from this new monetary theory. Don't you think they'd have to have one? One episode to back them up before they write a book. You would think, but things are running smooth when they wrote that book. Uh, true. Well, so what? Yeah, I mean, I mean what kind of a fix is things are things have changed very quickly. But I, I got about a third of the way through that book and got kind of frustrated with it. I feel like now I should read it just so I can properly criticize it. Uh, well, maybe. It's not a bad idea. What? So what? If you were right now, we seem to have this. Infl- let's, let's, where the Fed is right now, they've stopped growing the money supply, so they pretty much, I mean, inflation should settle out by the time it gets through all the numbers and everything because we keep cheating on the numbers, but I think right now they're not, the impetus to more and more inflation, they've pretty much stopped, right, with the money supply stopping yeah. being growth, but stopping being grown. Uh, if it was you, Russell, would you try and, since it's been such a bulge that, that people aren't even really counting, you know, where used cars are up like 50% and that kind of stuff, and people's ability to pay is, is non-existent, I mean, for you know, for most of the society. Would you try and be so restrictive you tried to bring these prices back down, or would you just let everything sort of flatten out and hope, hopefully people grew into it? I mean, it, I don't know what I'd do, honestly. Um, I, would, I would do a flatten out and grow into it, because the alternative would be way too painful. I th- you know, I think it would be too, but boy, how long... 
How long before people get a 50% raise compared to a year and a half ago? It's going to take, well, if you, if you try to deflate everything, you're going to end up with a ridiculous amount of unemployment. And, you, you, I mean, you think people are misbehaving in the streets right now? <laughs> um, imagine, if, you know, imagine if you suddenly pull a bunch of people out of their jobs. So to deflate very quickly would be too painful. You got to slowly, you know, uh, hopefully people's incomes catch up with the cost. You know what, Russell? I, I, I know you're. Well, neither solution is good. I, I know you. I, I know you're the right. Worst good one yeah. is to you know a lot you know to not try to push the prices lower because that results in job losses, but um, you know have people's incomes catch up with costs. You know, Russell, I, I know you're right, and I know if they tried to do the other thing, they'd be just as, as uh, disastrous on the way down as it has been on the way up. But I just I see rents going from fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred in six months. I don't see anybody growing into that. If you got if you're supposed to be thirty percent of your of your salary goes for rent, I don't see anybody's salary going up fifty percent in in, mm-hmm. in the next two years. Do you? Well, we, you would think, and and I, I question whether we're going to sit here at very low unemployment. But um, you would think that people should be able should have the power to switch jobs right now for more money. I think there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, I do too. Oh, well, I think there's a lot of, and I, but, but something else that I think happened was there were people that were so certain they were going to be able to get another another job that they quit without having, you know, don't quit a job until you have your, you know, another job in hand like your mom would say. Um, I think some people have shot themselves in the foot. Um, I'm gonna, I have another question for you here. Because, boy, you know, when you're, when you're here, I just have, I, uh, as you know, foolishly maybe, I watched this uh, on the U.S. Debt Clock page, I watched this savings per family number. And I know it's I know it's a slippery half-ass number because it's a, it's a mean. It's not yeah. a median. Um but I'm in the last year and a half. I'm just astounded, uh, Russell. This thing for years it was like uh, five thousand, fifty-eight hundred, six thousand uh, savings. This is this is the cash savings. This isn't wealth or anything like that. It's not mm-hmm. stock. It's just cash savings. And it used to be like, like six years ago, the number was like six, and the personal debt per citizen was like fifty grand. Well, with all the money the, the government threw out in the last year, with the, year and a half with the COVID, because a lot of people who got the PPP and all that stuff, I mean, a lot of those people are sole props, right? So essentially it's going in their personal uh-huh. bank account, really. I mean, so the number yeah. ballooned. I think I reported when you were on the air with me, I'm going to say a year ago, the number ballooned to like 55000 from like five. I'm going, wow. <laughs> so when everybody on TV was talking about people were flush with cash and everything, on average, they really were. I mean, it's an, an, an amazing amount of dough. And yet now it's been dropping, uh-huh. dropping every day, every week since then. And it got down to 12.2 and stood there for about three weeks, 12.2, 12.1. All of a sudden in the last week, it has dropped to 9,000. So the amount of families in this country... Uh, However many there are, savings per family, it's over thirty-two hundred hours of family. It's dropped in the last three weeks. That is an enormous amount of liquidity, 
And the personal debt now is up to seventy thousand. So we were up from like five years ago, mm-hmm. we we're up like two grand in the savings and up seventeen in the debt. This whatever these you know, schmucks on T V are talking about and these bank chairmen saying they've never seen consumers in better shape balance sheet wise, this number turns a whole different story. It tells you in the last six yeah. months people are, are burning through their cash like there's no tomorrow. Th- that's I've never seen this thing move that fast. Three thousand dollars in two weeks. How many how many families are there? hundred million? That's, that's a serious amount yeah. of dough. Yeah. It is. And th- and things become very difficult for a big portion of families very quickly. So even though I know you're right on the, yeah. we just got to wait this out and hope people get raises and hope the economy keeps going. I boy, you know I, I don't know. I tell you what, I'm I'm, I'm kind of tired of paying. If I wanted to, if I want to buy a a, a a 98 pickup truck in in good condition, I'm paying five sixths of the original per purchase price. I'm paying fourteen grand when when a year and a half ago I could have got it for eight. I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how the hell is it? Is a guy going to work, buying a buying a twenty year old pickup truck, pay fourteen grand for God's sake, Russell? You got, I mean, it, it it you start making judgment. We got you got to drive something. You don't think about. I mean, I mean, I, th- I think we've 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 pushed some of this to the level. And like I say, I, th- I think you're right that that is the policy. And if you and I were sitting there, we'd do it, but we'd both be holding our nose doing it. I mean, it's not a good one. Yeah. Because I, I think if you go go the other way and try and deflate it, you screw up just as bad as you did on the way up. With as many. Uh, other I th- I, honestly, I think it'd be worse. Yeah. Because you, you would have. I mean, you, you. Yeah, you had people last summer riding and over. You know, you can you can say there might have been some justification behind some of the riding, but not all of it, and. They were really upset about something that was happening to someone else. Can you imagine if all of a sudden you're upset about what's happening to you? Yeah. And you're in a hopeless kind of situation. You're you're not going to be on State Street breaking the window to the Nike store. You're going to be going into the jewel and taking everything to feed your family. Um, last question. We only got a couple minutes. And that that's just and and, and as far fetched as that may sound, oh, I don't think it's that far fetched. I don't think it is either. Ten percent of the population is out of out of work. I I I, I, I agree with you. Hey, in terms of right. legi- uh, legislation, not legislation, but going after people in terms of uh, criminal activity, <laughs> that never seems to help anybody out. Uh, we've seen this RBAB go from you know four something down to three ten. The, nor- the normal uh-huh. number on what you pay at the, at the pump over RBAB is eighty cents, eighty five, ninety, maybe a buck. Well, in Indiana now. The, the price of gas has dropped to like $4. In the burbs in Chicago, every station is hung in there at five fifty. I I'm, I don't want to have a huge investigation, but I really would like the answer. What's going on there? Why why, why haven't they dropped and everybody else has? Why haven't... Um, you think there's a little collusion going on there? I, I didn't... Did I say that? You just no, said it. You but, just, just, but I'm, I'm, I'm just somewhat maybe. curious... I mean, all of a sudden we're we're two well, two and a half dollars you know, over. Do, we do have that funky blend that you have to have in Chicago that you don't have to have in Indiana. True, but two and a half dollars yeah, over. And Urban. this is that time of year where they swap that over, so that may have something to do with it. Yeah, I just I mean, uh, we're, no, we're past we're past the swap over actually. 
I'm just saying, you, you notice this stuff, and yeah. I, you can't go after every every little thing, every little detail, but it it is interesting that it's wrapped in one place and not another. Yeah. So, anyway. And, they, and then, well, I mean, you know, our, our current um, Secretary of Transportation, he thinks this is a good thing. Oh, he I know. said it in front of Congress. I know. Because it's going to push us to the electric cars, but where is the energy for the, I mean, it's just, there's that's so a, little logic. That's a topic yeah. for next week. <laughs> A topic for next week. I, I used to like that guy. Now I, yep. I, I don't think I do anymore. Uh, S&P futures down four, and Nasdaq futures down seven. I think we'll be up today. Uh, Russell, thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Maybe we'll see you one of these days. We'll be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.